All right. The tape is rolling. We are on the record. I don't know if it's going to be three hours, but it is the Alice Americast, Sheffield Wednesday opinion with an American accent. I'm your host in Salt Lake City, Jeffrey Paternostro. Uh, as you might know from our last episode, I'm, I'm doing more non-alcoholic beverages now. I try and drink a little bit less during the week. And, you know, I found some good beers. I found uh, probably the best bottled cocktail I've had. It doesn't have any alcohol in it. Uh, the Amaro Falso from uh, St. Agriest in Brooklyn. But instead of cracking one of those, uh, this was this was going to be a hard liquor show. Let's be honest. So it's getting a little chilly out here in Utah. The calendar's turned over to November. We get the ice on the windshield. The dog has a sweater. And I am drinking Spirit Forward cocktails. I finally found a vermouth I actually like. They've added a third vermouth to Utah State Liquor Source. So it's not just the uh, $40 one liter bottle of Carpano Antica, which I, I know is the bartender's favorite. I find it a little vanilla forward. I found this one from uh, from Mike LaRue's Neck of the Woods. It's a sweet vermouth from Ransom. And it's a little more bitter, a little more herbal. It stands up well against the, the High West Ryan here. There's a couple dashes of Angostura and a couple dashes of salted cacao bitters and a nice little uh, Barolo Chinato soaked cherry from my local Italian market as well. And we are off after that very long introduction. Joining me to discuss the last couple of weeks in Wednesday football, Wednesday news, that sort of thing. First, in New Jersey, it's Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? Hi, Jeff. Good to be back. Uh, I have the uh, basic bitch version of your drink mm. uh, with the bullet uh, rye, um, and the basic whatever the sweet vermouth you told me to get that was like every single grocery store you can find. Golan, uh, probably. Uh, yeah, Dolan or Cinzano, one of the two. Yeah, I can't get. I think I can get. I can get Dolan here. I can get Dolan and Carpano Antica. Oh, I think it's the Campano. Oh, no, it's, no, not Campano. No, anyway, it's two Italian names next to each other. Yeah. Um, and um, a little bit of bitters, Angostura uh, bitters, and mm-hmm. I have my own Manhattan. But I don't have your. Uh, was it cocoa? Salted cacao bitters from a workhouse rye. Uh, I mean, I have probably 10 different kinds of bitters in the liquor cabinet at the moment. It's doing the job anyway. It it will always always do the job. It is the, uh, as I've said before, I think on the show, the greatest uh, contribution, invention in American history, basically, is the the rye Manhattan. A, uh, A great American contributor himself in... Portland, Oregon. It's our Cascadia Owl, Mike Laroon. Mike, what are you drinking? Mike, you're muted. Off to off to a roaring start. Hey, look at that. I'm unmuted. Uh, hey, also, as Patty said, it's good to be back. It's been a while for me, too, I think. But it doesn't seem like it. Um, I was at CaskFest over the weekend, and um, I had some really good stuff there. But uh, tonight it is um, from the place Away Days, which hosted CaskFest, it's their high viz winter ale. It is uh, their hoppy red ale, seasonal thing. But um, Caskfest had Morris dancing, and I'm so glad that Patty and some of the other folks <laughs> on WhatsApp will give me a a little education about what I was watching. I had done contra dancing in uh, graduate school, which I, yeah, it was a, yeah, it was okay. It was fun because it's that similar? like our square dancing, but hmm. it's, it's like Morris the New England, it's like the New England version of square dancing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. 
But yeah, the Mars right. dancing with the sticks and the songs, it was um, it was a blast. It was a good time. And the be- bells on the knees and that kind of mm. bells on the knees, bells on the elbows, right? And the kind of yeah. that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah. Mike was very confused. I couldn't believe yeah. that Morris dancers made their way out to the west coast of America. That is uh, quite scary, actually. They should there be confined a, uh, to the little England. Yeah, I don't know if it's Oregon or Willamette Valley or what, but yes, and th- they were thrilled to be there. They were thrilled for the invite. So yeah, good on them. <laughs> I bet they were. <laughs> did they get did they get business class flights over as well? <laughs> you can do that. Well, Wednesday fans may have their sticks out and be singing some songs this weekend. <laughs> But we will start uh, with, I guess, a roundup since we didn't do a show last week because, you know, not we weren't really avoiding it actively, even though Wednesday lost twice. But it just scheduling didn't work out. We'll do a, a roundup of the the early Danny Roll pictures, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> quite extensively covered the Wednesday news. Uh, we will preview whatever matches this weekend. I've already heard Bristol City, Bristol City. I think uh, Justin sent something in. I should probably download that at some point because I'm going to be reading his notes. But we start with the recent Wednesday run of form. And look, as bad as it gets, and it's been bad, however many club statements come out, whatever the chairman says on the record to beleaguered Sheffield Star reporters in the middle of the night, we can always count on one thing, and that's beating Rotherham. Wednesday's first one of the season. Uh, Patty, what are your impressions so far of uh, the Danny Roll football? Um. Look, it's what, three games in now? Mm-hmm. Um, more than that? I can't remember. Three games. Um, three games. What was it? Watford, Plymouth, and then Rodham? Yep. Yep. Um, incremental. Uh, I think we I think we can kind of like count Plymouth away as a real kind of uh, blip. Uh, and we had moments, I think, in that game. We were good we for were... the first half hour or so. Yeah. yeah. I, they were, they uh, were unlucky to concede the... It was a great kick, free right? kick. But, yeah, they, you, know, yeah, it's, you know, it is... It, we'll get to him. I think... This setup suits a lot of our players better than I mean, certainly what Cisco was running, but even what uh, Darren Moore's tactics were. But you still get a bit of, you know, as good as Damai Orfa has looked going forward, you do on occasion get uh, Damai Orfa trying to make a covering tackle, which is what led to the first goal there. But yeah, great free kick, obviously a mistake at the back. You know, it, that happens, right? You would have liked them to... You know, goals change games, and Wednesday hadn't been scoring goals, so all the goals were changing games uh, against Wednesday's favor for the last month or so before the Rotherham game. But I agree, like, like you could even see it though in the Watford game, right? Like they all of a sudden, Bannon was coming in to the game more. Uh, they were passing well in tight spaces, which is something they could they couldn't pass with. 10 yards between them and the nearest defender a month ago. So I think you see immediate change, but yeah, it's also gotten better and better since then. The biggest change they've done, and this is the problem with Munoz's kind of tactics, whatever you can call them really, is that there was too much space between the defense and the the midfield and the midfield and the forward thing. So quite often the mistakes being made were because they didn't know where people were or where they're going to be or even where they should be. <laughs> so, like, people, like, were just passing to the, throat, the the kind of byline and there's no one there, and people were just missing what the basic patches because they thought someone should be there. Um, what he's done what with Watford and then um, a little bit in Plymouth and obviously better in Rotherham is is compact the gaps between those those lines, right? So there's always someone dropping back. There's, there's, lo- there's triangles everywhere. I think if you follow that, um, I always I forget his name. The Tom Watts on uh, Twitter, mm-hmm. the one with the tactical yeah. formation guy. Uh, he's talking about the, the triangles that they're formating. 
formulating. There's triangles all over the pitch. And whenever there's like uh, one person free, another person pops up here, and they're all moving around. It's already starting to kind of uh, click that people are available, people uh, want the ball, they're pressing better. And those little kind of triangles, the small passes, there's not many. You'll see the odd Bannon long ball here and there, but you'll saw, you saw quite a lot in the Munoz era where we just got frustrated and hit it long, right? Already we're seeing this kind of uh, the tight passes between uh, defence midfield and forward time. And I think they know what they're doing more. They know what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. The instructions must be clearer. Um, and I think we've got the right people in the right um, positions at the moment. Um, I would, well, I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment on Dawson still, but um, I think generally... Uh, I mean, yeah, I know there is some complaining in the WhatsApp group about the goal against uh, Watford specifically and look he's he should do better there he saw it late because bannon was kind of stretched out and i to make a block there and he was moving in the wrong direction sure it was like one you know one moment and this has been a a common theme in really all three of these games uh i guess less so in the win like they still don't have the production in the final third yet and they're creating better chances and better you know uh, patterson had a had a swivel and turn against Watford, he probably should have put away. They've had some headers they haven't scored on. So, but I think you're starting to see, I'm like, look, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know if Musaba is going to be a great scorer of goals, but he at least is creating something in the final third, right? You know, he obviously set up both of the right. Michael Smith goals against Rotherman. Look, Rotherham were terrible, but, you know, Watford and Plymouth aren't much better. And, you know, you look back now, those are two six-pointers. You know, look back at the end of the year and be like, yeah, if they squeeze something out there, if Roll would come in a week or two earlier. There's still a lot of bad teams in that league and still a lot of fixtures ahead of us. But that's, you know, it's just, it's one of those things, right? Uh, they didn't sign they didn't sign an out-and-out striker in the summer. And I mean, so there's, there's I'm of two minds of that, right? So they brought in Musaba and, and uh Kasama, who are both interesting attacking players, right? They're not out and out striker, but they're interesting attacking players. The actual cost, like in real transfer dollars of a proven championship striker is, well, clearly the chairman's not going to spend that. <laughs> so, But it is, it's a lot of money. We're talking like eight figures yeah. in pounds, right? You're not getting a, you know, look what Jordan Rose, Jordan Rhodes cost six years ago at this point. And now double that, basically. There's just not a lot of these these players kicking around in every team, whether it's a team like Wednesday they're looking to stay up or solidify in the championship or a team they're looking to knock on to the Premier League. They all want another goal-scoring option. I think Michael Smith is a completely serviceable uh, championship striker. He has, what, uh, three of our seven goals this year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think his hold-up play is pretty good. Uh, he's just not going to pace. So you need to right. give him service where he is. And that's what Masaba did uh, on uh, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my opinion on Masaba is, is one of those wingers where he hasn't really got control of his feet, right? It's kind of just, it's kind of like that kind of like uh, upwards doesn't control the downwards part of it. So it's, it's kind of like he has his great tricks, but doesn't necessarily know where to follow it up, where the ball's going to end up. Sometimes it does end up in the right place and it looks fantastic. Like the the sideline thing where Meg that guy and went mm-hmm. much on a run and that was fantastic. But then sometimes it just doesn't come off. But what he is, is pace. And that's probably... And he's the... like the one, you look at this team, he is the one player that can beat a defender one-on-one. 
Yeah. He doesn't always do it, but (laughs) he's one of the few players that can really just like move. He will, he will put them in jail if he, if he gets it right. Yeah. He just doesn't make the right choices sometimes, but Mm. I think he's getting better. Um, and, uh, he's exciting and he's got pace and he's he's a great, he's a great outlet. We don't ask that, that change of pace in the squad. And to relieve some of the stress sometimes and just knock it past somebody and just even if he doesn't do anything with it, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's completely split open the pitch. He's brought uh, defenders out of position. He'll win a foul uh, too, sometimes just to, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think uh, breather. he'll get better. I, yeah. I don't think he's anywhere near finished pro- finish project yet, mm-hmm. but um, I think he's uh, fine for what we need to be right now. Mike, what do you think of the midfield situation right now? Because They've been pretty heavily rotated in these three games. And again, it's three games in yeah. eight I mean, days I thought, or whatever. So. I mean, I think uh, to what Patty was saying about the shorter passes, um, I think that Barry Bannon, this really does suit him well to not be responsible for covering that much. So, um, you know, especially the uh, and the, the win against Rotherham, I think he really had some some ideal passes that really highlight his, his use. Um, it's the other ones... I think um, I think the virus is fine. I, I think that I'm still not sold on him, but I don't know who else you know who else to put there. I think the biggest change for me in, in midfield. I said that Bannon, it's it's a better fit for Bannon. Uh, again, I don't know he might be hurt too. So he wasn't even in the squad on Sunday, but like Hendrick went from not looking like a championship level player under Munoz to looking like okay, like this system fits him well. I can see what he does well now. Uh, and Buckley, I know you're not completely convinced on, but I do think again this is a good fit. I do think they probably need Byers over Hendrick, just because Byers is one of the few. Like he'll go in, right? He's going to break up play, and sometimes you need that player in the midfield to just, you know, do a hutch, yeah. right? Every do we know why Byers got? Do we know why Byers got subbed out after the hour? He wasn't happy. I, it was tactical. I'm pretty sure at that point because yeah. uh, he brought in Box, who's a little more defensively minded. Right, I guess so. So, I don't think either of them is going to have a spot in that team when Diaby's back. Um, I think Diaby's going. And when to be is Diaby going to be back? We can register players again now, so I guess that's an option. But I think it's probably going to be like yeah, yeah around, around January time, maybe hopefully. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean Diaby well, for six... the twenty-five minutes we saw of him looked exactly what you want in that. Like, look, he's a fit in any midfield three, right? That's just you can. His style of play is just going to work. Yeah, it's different to the other options we've got. Yeah. I, I really I love Pires. Um, I think he's had a bit of a quiet start to the season. Obviously, not very consistently in the team. So right. Pires is one of those people that needs a good stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope he does get that while we're waiting for Diaby to come back. So I don't think you're going to really better Bannon and Byers in that centre midfield spots. Um, and then, like I said, I'm still not, I'm still not a fan of Volks in this league. I just don't think he's good enough. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think probably... he's fine as a squad player when you're up to nothing to bring in and a little more uh, defensively minded. Because they don't like. I don't have a real problem with that one way or the other. No, I mean, look, the options are Backinson or him, <laughs> and maybe you could do Patterson there, but I don't think so. I mean, one of the options I think would be interesting if we wanted to fit maybe Delgado or uh, Paul Valentino or mm. someone else that in, I would put Reese James in that, that centre midfielder spot. He's got the. He's done that a little bit. I'm mean, both yeah. coaches have, yeah. You know, Palmer can also play that role too. Yeah. But I wouldn't put back in Sinew near that first 11, even the squad, really. Uh, I, I still think that Paul Valentino's got a little bit of um, 
uh, something about him, the way he takes players on, the way kind of the pace he's got. Um, so yeah, I'm interested to a bit more of him. Delgado, a bit of a liability, isn't he? Um, no, he's hurt um, right now, so yeah. And I just don't, I don't know if he'd come back into the squad either, really. Right, he uh, needs to be pushed a little bit further forward um, than I think the current tactics There's too much, there's allow, too much right? gaps there in the defense when we had him there, yeah. But yeah, I think as well. And like, that's one him. of the reasons I think that, you know, you've seen basically three of the center backs in the back four for most of these games, because when someone like Iorfa goes on a run, you know, whether it's Pamewo or Bernard, they can drop into that, into that spot and keep some, Give some solidity in the back line. Oh, you know, I forgot in that um that center midfield, Jeff Hendrick. You know why I forgot him? Because he's done fucking nothing. I thought he was good uh, in the Watford game. I thought he did fit well with the uh anonymous. I think he's been so anonymous the entire time we've seen him. It's weird how that midfield spot for us, you get players that just don't do anything sometimes, just pass them by, and you think that's the the one spot in a in a, an eleven where you can't just like pass you by. I mean, how many games we see Pelopessi just disappear? It's like we've had those the kind of players often. And I think Volks disappears sometimes too. That's one of my things with him. Volks, Hendrik, Pelopessi, we need someone to stamp the authority around that midfield so Bannon can mm-hmm. go and do his fancy stuff. Uh, Byers does that occasionally. Yeah. Um, and I just feel like, yeah, it's always a bit light. Yeah, they've always say. had the, like Wednesday, it is a gap that you notice, right? Whether it was Hutch or Luongo or Byers, they've had that kind of. You know, not uh, usually a pivot, but just a guy that could break up play, could pick a pass, just so he, and put himself about. I guess is the the proper British term for it. But it's funny you bring up Pelopesti because the the Watford game and the Plymouth game they both remind me of that that era, um, kind of that before we got really into the coaching carousel where this team just had those self-inflicted wounds every just it took and it only took two or three minutes per game to, to lose a game but otherwise they played you know good enough to hold to hold a team and yeah you know, i mean the, those two goals against plymouth they just came in the blink of an eye um from an otherwise great first half hmm. so. we should also um, uh, as long as we're reviewing the recent games uh we spent a lot of time the last two years talking about the standard of league one refereeing but i will say i have never seen uh, that's not true, Darcy, but uh, a cha- we got we got our first taste of championship VAR on the denied penalty uh, against Watford. So I'll say this in real time. The, yeah, did the linesman have an iPhone on him and watching iPhone or something? What was the VAR <laughs> there? You just decided that he wanted to overrule it for just to have a lot. In real time, I did not think it was a penalty. Like, I think he got the ball on the man, right? I did not think the linesman had a better angle than the referee because he's behind the play and behind the tackle. I'll find enough. And like, I, look, he I can go and consult. He can consult with the linesman. The thing for me is like, isn't there a whole thing this year that like you're not supposed to surround the referee? Like you're supposed to hand out more yellow cards when that happens? Because the entire Watford team was around that ref as soon as the pointed to the spot. That's definitely the Premier League rule. I don't know if it's Yeah, I guess it'll always get down. Again, yeah. look, I just, you know, it would have been nice it was given. I've seen it given. I don't know if it would have been overruled on VAR, like proper VAR, not the linesman just deciding it wasn't a penalty. But yeah, a little bit annoying uh, given the, the way the game played out. Again, we didn't look like scoring outside of that. So I think it was a stone cold penalty. I was. You think so, really? Yeah. 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 Both. Was, I mean, when I saw, I saw it, it on, replay, on replay, like there is like, it's one of those ones where, like, yeah, you get the ball, but he also gets the man. And like, how do you. He goes he, through the man. He goes, he goes through, through the man, the man and like. Yeah. 
you would assume that was Misaba, right? You would assume Misaba was favored to get to the ball if he doesn't get taken out. Yeah, it was, I thought it was an absolutely disgraceful decision. You know, it just kind of <laughs> there you a, go, Paddy Jones. It was, it was a gut punch because I, th- yeah. I thought we deserved something out of that game. The Watford didn't look very good at all, and uh, yeah, it was just one of those things where you think this is going to be a terrible season because all the look, all the look is going. Yeah, against. yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so then and then we had Plymouth, which just hammered us. So I'd say going into the Rotherham game, I wasn't feeling particularly positive. Obviously, we had the news uh, on the Friday about <laughs> about uh, uh, bloody HMRC not being paid and begging for money and that kind of stuff. Um, and then, no, Friday was not the begging for money. Friday was just the news that we Friday was news that we could not, yeah. Somebody yeah. found yeah. the tab that we can no longer register players yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And then, obviously, after the Plymouth loss, um, I wasn't feeling particularly hopeful about Rotherham on the Sunday. Uh, but Pretty much from the from the off, we looked up for it. Um, and you said that you said Rotherham was bad, and I think they are bad going forward. But I think generally they, they put a really good press on us most of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought we would we never had a minutes piece in that game. It was constant like like niggling and pushing, and they did a really good job of, of, of making us feel stressed. I think, but the way we dealt with it was just a ton better than how we dealt with that in the past. Uh, being composed in the ball, short passes. Um, it wasn't always pretty, but we we got stuff done, and we got that early earlyish goal uh, mm-hmm. with uh, Smith. So I think that calmed us down a bit, and just thought, yeah, we can take this and actually win a game. Um, so thank God for a good ninety minutes as well. Uh, yeah, I know and it look, uh, as good. And the converse of that too, like the Wednesday pressing style, has has created problems for these teams. You know, all all three of these games, you know, Plymouth, they especially early on, at least. They've been able to create mistakes at the back or, you know, get possession back quickly uh, by pressing from the front. And look, it has left them vulnerable at the back, right? They, you've seen these teams and Rotherham had certainly had chances on the counter uh, as did, as did Plymouth and Watford. And it's got to be kind of a a bend, but don't break defense, but you have players like uh, Diaby and Iorfa and Bernard that have some pace and, or, you know, will put in a, a, a covering tackle and can, you know, you can stand up when, needed basically right like there's going to be games where they just get carved open because of the way they play that's the issue for me is they got to find goals then right like they got to be able to win some games two one and three two i don't know where those are coming from now that's how you dig yourself out of a relegation scrap right you got to be able to score goals yeah absolutely um i don't uh, windass looks fantastic on sunday i think Mm -hmm. that was his best game for the season by a long shot um, Bannon looked good. I think once I think he said on uh, his Instagram windows that he forgot how to shoot off a guy to score goals or something like that. And uh, he I mean, had that, one, that... I think it was in the Watford game, he had a header that he just like did not get over the top of at all. And I'm like, oh, that's like Will Vox was talking about after Wembley about him not being a good header of the ball. <laughs> yeah, but that miss on, on Sunday was awful too. I mean, yeah, it's like he's just shag, he has the whole yeah. half of the like. Keeper's wrong-footed. All you got to do is just put it in the... I don't know how many of you also shouted at Masaba when you thought he'd completely fucked up the pass because I was like, it's, a be- it's behind everybody. Then Windass sneaks up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a great pass. I was like, yeah. oh, he's fucked up again. Identical uh, to Wembley. Yeah, it's almost yeah. the same as Wembley. So. Oh, God, yeah, you just... Yeah. What a, what, a, what a miss that was. And then, I mean, Smith's... Was it Smith's second goal that you pretty much almost missed too because it was on the line and you kind of swiped it the first time and missed the, the ball entirely. That was the first one. He shanks the, first the defender yeah. and then <laughs> pokes it through, yeah. yeah. Second one, second one, the goalkeeper got a got hand a on. Got a hand on, so yeah. Close. 
So, but yeah, and then Byers also sailed a field goal too, which mm. <laughs> a little bit. He should have got it on frame. That was at least a little bit tougher than Windass's. Uh, yeah. Um, that's positive take for Sunday. I, I think uh, Danny Rolls certainly got the ear of the players. Mm-hmm. I love the appointment of Chris Powell. I think that's a fantastic assistant coach. Um, and I feel like just listen to him, right? Listen to Danny Roll compared to Munoz. Mm-hmm. He's got a plan. He's got a, a system. He knows what he's talking about. He's learned from some of the best in European football. It seems to uh, fit the squad he has. Yeah, and he, he's kind of, and he's, he's also kind of. He's, I mean, I think he's leaning on, on the fact that that team knows each other quite mm-hmm. a bit, and he's not through injury or through choice. Right, he, it's interesting, right, into... that he's basically, you know, you a new manager comes into this league. You know, it's someone that hasn't really. I know, I know, he's an assistant at like Southampton, right? But he hasn't coached ex- extensively in, in English football. You look at this team that was just promoted, and like, look. He has some, you know, some flair players he can go with up front, right? And Gasama and Musaba. But every week, like two or more of Gregory, Patterson, Windass, and Smith are in the squad. I think some of that's that uh, some of the new bloods are a little bit injured, like you said, uh, Delgado's yeah, injured. Hurt, yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> I don't know if Fletcher was ever fit. <laughs> but it's not, not in the squad at the moment, yeah. which is fine by me. But Patterson's, I thought, had some pretty good performances. Uh, Patterson's been one of our best players of the season. You yeah. can guarantee no, a great. ten out of ten effort from Patterson. And then obviously, I've never. Right, been if you the... want to pre- if you want someone that's going to press from the front, like yeah, yeah put Patterson up there. Yeah, he, he does a good job wherever he's been. He just doesn't got that quality we need sometimes at the top end of the field. But um, I think he's been actually better than usual uh, this season with as far as his final touch and his final pass. Um. But yeah, I'm I'm well, saying positive. Uh, I'm positive today. I'm positive today, Jeffrey. But I'm sure we're gonna get on to in the news section mm. the roller coaster we've been on for the last few days. <laughs> yes, uh on that note, we'll take a break, come back, cover the Wednesday news and preview an upcoming match against Bristol City. Now it's time for some Wednesday news. Not much Wednesday news this week, really. Um, uh, of interest in the first half of the show, uh, Tyreek Backinson scored at uh, at the double for the under-21s in a 2-1 win over Crew. So there you go, Patty. Uh, we had uh, both uh, Michael Smith and Anthony Musaba were named in the team of the week for the championship. I think that's the- I think that's the first time this year Wednesday have had any players in the team of the week, which I mean, fair enough, I suppose. Well, good Lord. I was this close to getting goal of the month. So come on. Uh, yeah, we should talk about that. Uh, it is November now. Uh, who, who is your no- uh, October player of the month for Wednesday? What? Do we have to choose that? I mean, <laughs> that you don't, you don't have to participate in the poll that will open on the website. Uh, my 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 view on it is this: They scored two goals. They're both scored by Michael Smith. Michael Smith gets to be Player of the Month. I think that's keep fair. it simple. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think if there's anyone else. Like, I mean, again, Windass has yeah, played well. Windass, Th- yeah, Patterson. Yeah. I thought Iorfa has been good. I love yeah. seeing Iorfa come out from the back. That's that makes me so happy. He's better doing that than he's out the back sometimes. <laughs> Did they send him? I had turned off the game at that point. Did they have him up front at some point during the uh, end of the Plymouth game? I thought I saw that on Twitter. I don't think so. 
Anyway. I think he just hung around a bit too long mm. after one of his runs. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, Lee Gregory went over 100 appearances in a Sheffield Wednesday shirt. Congratulations, Dan. A little bit of Greg's. Yeah. Um, and then the chairman called up the Sheffield star and talked on the record for three hours. <laughs> an article that went about 1 a.m. on Monday. With or without a translator, that's the question, Jeff. That's all we want to know. Because so, Sheffield, maybe Radio Sheffield said that they had the opportunity to ask for a translator. So I understand that, right? If you're, this is a very contentious time in in Wednesday footballing history, of which there have been many such times, but this is among the most contentious, I assume. You and and laws being what they are in Britain, you want to make sure that if. Defon Chancery is going to say a lot of things, which he did. You want to make sure they are accurately. He's accurately quoted, right? Want to make sure he's accurately quoted. Do you think he was accurately quoted? I mean, he said all of this stuff in various club statements and fan forums over the <laughs> last true, few yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he did that video issue... that did the round yesterday again after, like, was it? I think after one of the yeah. uh, thing is, we well, basically seen the exact same thing. Right. Yeah, then well, he, issued, he, issued, he did issue a clarifying club statement, which seemed to uh, reinforce everything he said. To the Sheffield Star, except now they have money. I don't know. Well, okay, let, let's, let, let's get to that. Let's Today get they to have the, money. Let's get Monday to the night, club statement. Maybe not. Let, let's first of all talk about the ranting to Sheffield Star. Again, this is nothing new, right? It's it's well, the same. To, let's go back to we haven't paid our taxes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should we start there? Which is all the way back to Friday. Yeah, yeah. It's Friday. That was three days Five ago. Five days ago, six days no, ago. This is, again, the... The easiest way to have your club set into administration is uh, to not pay your taxes, right? Yeah, that's, o- that's often the last thing that gets paid. Uh, you can't shut off the, the second easiest but... is to not pay your players. Yes, <laughs> yeah. which also which has happened. So, yeah, he has I mean, as of the taxes. Right. I just again, this is the same. I mean, it's a sense of entitlement, right? And like, look, on one level, he's the owner of the club, so he's entitled to do what he wants with it. But the thing of it is, we, the Assembled Sheffield Wednesday fans, don't have to like it. Yeah, and we can tell him we don't like it. Yes. Um, through many different forms. Yes. Uh, maybe not necessarily abusively or kind of like... Sure, but I mean, like singing on yeah. away days. Without it's a like, protest. Yeah. That's he, a... Has, he has got. He has not got the right personality uh, to deal with football club ownership. Uh, he's never got the culture of Sheffield, never got the culture of England and the football community as a whole. Uh, like it feels like is, after six, was it now seven years in, in charge? Well, eight, eight, eight yeah. years in charge. He's well, learned absolutely nothing. Well, here's the thing, right? It's everything's always been fine when it's going well. That's always been the case. We'll forget yeah, about I, things when it's going well. On the page. I mean, no, for like, you know, again, you don't, you didn't really hear from him last year, or even the year before, right? When they're winning. You don't hear from during the you know the Pete Carlos era, and if it was, it was. And again, this is Wednesday fans are can be almost as fickle as the chairman at times too. God knows, but this is the ultimate tension, right? Like, what do you want from your sports owner? You want him to adequately fund the club, which at times, Gen Theory has done. Currently, I mean, I guess the players are getting paid and the taxes have been dealt with. So I guess that counts as adequate. But the, look, if you want, 
if you want to be loved for being a football owner, uh, you're probably in the wrong line of work for starters, because it's not always going to go well. But you also have to be be willing to take a step back and listen to smart football people. It's weird, right? Because I thought I was pointing out on Twitter with all of this going on, this has been going on in the background really since a few weeks after Wembley. He went and he hired Danny Roll. He hired a, let him, or, or he spent the money to allow him to hire the exact backroom staff that he wanted. I know they're still working on the set piece coach. Like, I suspect the money is there. I suspect he will continue to fund the club. It's just, he can't get out of his own way. Why do you think that is? Do you think there is a certain kind of sports owner that wants to be seen as the the man, right? It's almost always men. So, but like, and again, when things are going well, when he's flying the flag so, or having hey, a cigarette our, and taking pictures with fans and things like that, like that's great. This that's is our, all. Mark, our Mark Cuban, our Mark Cuban, our Jerry Jones that you're talking about. Uh, yeah, um, I don't. I don't no, there's think a kind that. of fan. There's a kind of owner that wants to be it. To have their, not even necessarily have their hands in it, although both those examples, they definitely have their hands in it. They want to be, they want to be out front. They want to be the face of the franchise, right? Oh, Uh, God. And like, again, but that's fine. But when it's going bad, you have to be accountable. And that's the ultimate issue. And it's like the buck literally stops with him. I think Chancellor is the perfect face for our franchise. <laughs> Wait, are you saying we deserve him or he deserves us? <laughs> yeah, but we deserve each other. <laughs> We're a marriage made in hell. Um, yeah, I mean, you look back, right? So when he when he bought from Milan Mandaric, we had already had the you know the Azerbaijan land of fire disaster the previous season, and he came in. He spent money for high level championship players. You look at that uh, when he brought in. Ross Wallace and Daniel Pudil and Barry Bannon and Fernando Forestieri and uh, Gary Hooper and Stephen Fletcher and and on and on and on and on. And they were a game away from Premier League. And then they were two games away from the Premier League. And I don't know. uh, I know you two do. (laughs) And I assume our listeners do. Because why would you be listening to a Wednesday podcast? You didn't know this. We're only a couple of years removed from, you know, you talk about how bad this start was in the championship. Uh, when they got promoted, Dave Jones didn't win a game for however many fixtures as well, too. I think he picked up a few more draws than, than Wednesday did over their start. And, you know, they struggled to stay up the first year under Jones, too. So... It can like we've seen bad times, right? It was it was a bad time. They're only a few years removed from a winding up order, which I guess they paid the taxes, so we're got a reprieve there. Just, but that's the easy part, right? That's uh, you know you had Carlos Carvajal up front, which was who was the the who was the face of the franchise uh, then, and he was willing to you know he brought in a committee when he first came in too that. Sort of, you know, I don't know if it's an out and out director of football, but that consulted with him on on marketing and and on field stuff and things like that. And then once it started to go bad, and that can happen very quickly in English football, especially in the championship, 
you're always, you know, you look at uh, a team like Coventry that was, you know, a penalty kick away from going up to the Premier League. They're down with Wednesday in a relegation scrap, or at least in with the threat of it. Like stuff can turn quickly. You know, Reading got to the the playoff final the year that Wednesday lost to Huddersfield, and they're, and he said they're, you know, they're about to fall out of League One probably. You need to be willing to do what it takes to right the ship. And he's just never been, I think, able to to see that, right? If he wants to be beloved, and it's not even about getting Wednesday back to the Premier League, club, probably, but it's like they want to see good football. They want to see players work for the shirt. And they want to see a you know a vision for the future, right? Whether it's you know, we don't want to be locked into just memories of the '90s and and Waddle and Hearst. We want to, you know, you want to introduce to a new generation, right? And like, none of that has happened. We sit here again, eight years later. Well, you talk about image, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Mike talks about kind of like fame to the franchise. Like the images put out in the past week of Sheffield Wednesday Football Club is pure chaos and it's all his own making right like no one he didn't if he'd waited 12 hours that thing on on, on uh, with the shield star would have never gone out yeah but clearly he was so panicked or wanted to get this threat out uh something came over him at i don't know 8 p.m 9 p.m on a, on a tuesday night oh he wants night. so here's what he wants I, again i don't i don't know the man this is what i say he wants an apology from the fan base he wants them to not. He wants them to sing nice songs about him <laughs> on Saturday. <laughs> it's, oh, like, it's really like, fucked that up. <laughs> but if he wants, he wants his ego flattered, don't we all? I mean, owner, all owner, owner of a football team is the wrong job for that because you can you yeah. can hire in a standard corporate setting. You know, you can hire any yes men you want, but I'll tell you, say what you have about the fans of Sheffield Wednesday Football Club. They're not yes men or yes women. <laughs> they, no, I mean, that is, that is to, not, to they're not going to rubber stamp all your ideas. To, to Patty's point, all you have to do is look at the front page of the, uh, if you just go to BBC Sports and click on Wednesday, and it's just mm. like the tiles, there's like two of them are actually about games. And everything else is just, it's just the chaos agent. And it is, he right. is. Um, oh, if he wants fame, he's got fame, all right. Infamy, <laughs> but it's the it's the laughing stock side of things where I can't go and say, "Oh, you've got to join me at seven o'clock some morning and watch Wednesday." And they're like, "Well, what's Wednesday?" I'm like, "Well, yeah, I'll tell you <laughs> check. Just Google us. Yeah. We're, we're a riot. Don't Google us. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's weird, especially being over in America, because clearly you haven't got yeah. people uh, in the UK national media reading the press. And uh, it's quite interesting. Like, from I, I was chatting to sports fans uh, at lunch today at work, uh, explaining the situation, uh, what's going on, and, and was, they can relate to that. They can relate to mad sports owners. Um, like, and obviously, but they can't relate to the fact of an owner because most owners in NFL are actual billionaires that have money themselves rather than they feed off um, <laughs> families and stuff. Uh, they can't relate to someone asking the fans to pay hundred quid each <laughs> to, to bail out the taxes. That's that blows their mind. But I mean, it's just that's how uh, fantastical this story was. It's 
it's unprecedented. It's 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 a ridiculous thing to do, and it, the fact that it then changed twelve hours later makes it even more ridiculous. That's, right? There was no reason. Like, look, when it got revealed that Wednesday had to pay their, I mean, they should have just pay the taxes at the time. But like, whatever, you can say we're aware of the situation, we're dealing with it, and then three days later they're paid. Like, it doesn't matter, right? It's like okay something happened it's you know typical wednesday yada 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 but if you just take care of it three days later anyway like you it should never be news that you have paid your players and staff for the month uh, but, well, it, it wasn't even going to be the case they paid it yeah so what happened but in those, in the fact those they had a report hours. on that right because it's, it's not going to pay his time like here's a question i have is the i was listening to to football heaven i, I guess Tuesday morning, and they were, and they Tuesday evening, and they said that there were people donate making donations, and people had set up oh, online look, donations. I mean, did that happen? You did, yeah. Because I thought the club would have to come out and say, "Well, you know, pump pump the brakes on this. Don't just write checks and and send money because we don't. Do we have a? I mean, they did, for what he asked for. <laughs> it's what the <laughs> owner of the club asked for. Well, so I, told I wouldn't this story do it, but I understand why it's like a re- not reasonable. None of this is reasonable, as I said in the WhatsApp oh. group. But I mean, again, I told this story in WhatsApp. Hope, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Pat. I hope they got, I hope they got money back. I mean, that obviously, and people were saying afterwards in the star afterwards, like Joe put a tweet out saying, we "Really urge people not to put a contribute to these things. We don't know what's a scam, what isn't a scam. Uh, we have no way. The chairman's given us no way to officially contribute to the club. Right? Uh, he hasn't provided that. So." Um, and then it, I thought in this, so in the, in the next statement, in the actual club statement on the website today, he seemed to suggest he wasn't really asking for fans to pay. He just said it might come to that. That's what, what's what he was saying. Whereas it was very clear in the Sheffield Star article that he was pleading for money in the Sheffield Star article. He was like, please, you have to, you are the, you are the owners. You've got to pay for this. You've got to keep it going. That's, That's kind what of he what wants, out. right? He wants... Yeah. He wants the he wants the apology more than the money. He wants fans to recognize that he is putting and look, he is he's funding the club right, basically out of his own pocket at this point. They do not make money, but that's also you're the owner of the club. If you, you know, you you got to run the you got to approve the balance sheets. That's the absolute basics you got to do as a club is pay the fucking bills, right? If you but even if, that, like, look, shuts up, every champion, every cha- <laughs> every championship team runs a loss for the most part, right? Yeah, like that's just the reality of it and there's look there's uh american sports teams that probably run a loss on paper some years right the value in in sports ownership in a lot of cases and look english soccer and soccer in europe is different because of the pyramid system right it's not it's not a closed system so if you own a baseball team the value of your baseball team just basically goes up every year by such an amount that you are basically able to cover any year-to-year losses because at the end of the day you're going to sell for billions of dollars and make out fine or you can just borrow against it in perpetuity things like that but again the value of a, of a soccer club right is the same idea right is that it's a valuable brand and that it should be worth more year over year uh an easy way to stop that is to just not pay your taxes and send it to administration because <laughs> i do believe and we'll get to We'll, we'll wrap it up, I guess, for now. I'm sure there'll be more on this later. With this, um, Chancery can still sell and get a fair bit of his money back. But does anyone here think that's going to happen in the near term? No. It is, I think one of the things he said in today's statement was 
uh, he continues to want the club. Yeah, to and that's easy to say right up until you get the offer that turns your head, right? Like a soccer player, for that matter. It's the same thing, right? Yeah. And by the way, I want to make a comment on this, on the language of the uh, Star article versus the club statement today. I mean, the club statement you could read in a prim and proper like old school English voice as if it's come through an entire kind of AI translation kind of mm-hmm. thing to or a communications department. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but whereas again, the Sheffield star is more unfiltered kind of uh, insane ramblings uh, that we more used to, but it's so funny kind of uh, like, I, I don't even think this is dictated to the comms team. I think this is literally the comms team making it themselves. It doesn't ramble. It just has facts in there. And it has to stay until the end saying, bottom line is that Sheffield Wednesday means everything to me and I'll mm-hmm. always try my best until I have a club. Did he think, do we think he said that? I'm not entirely sure. Because the rest of it doesn't really like him at all. So for me, it's, this is this is the club comms trying to... Uh, Look, I'm sure he read PR. the statement and approved it. It may have taken some convincing. <laughs> I don't know. In there. I'm just speculating. I own their asses. Put that in there. <sighs> There's a match this weekend. Somehow. Oh, we have, we're a football club too. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah there's, there's games. Uh, they're playing Bristol City. I, I'm now reliably informed uh, by scanning the WhatsApp group that uh... Bristol. It's a nice, friendly 11 a.m. kickoff in the uh, Eastern US. Mm. So even, even well, not even friendly, but definitely more friendly than usual for you guys in the West. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we like it. We like it. Justin did not make notes for this game uh so <laughs> did they have a new coach they have a new coach <laughs> do they have a new coach or do they just have a caretaker oh so they sacked nigel pearson so that's the, they that's have the big nigel news. pearson yes uh yes they have uh, play against the old uh, crazy guy yes they Shouldn't are just PR in bristol just switch coaches and just see if anyone notices yeah six points from their last five uh they lost to stoke Wait, I'll get wrong. Sorry. Yeah, six points from the last five. I should just get the results in the proper order. Uh, they've lost their last two uh, against Ipswich and Cardiff. They <laughs> they have scored 15 goals in 14 games. <laughs> Look at their characteristics on who scored. They have no significant strengths. Their weaknesses are keeping possession of the ball, aerial duels, defending against through ball attacks, and protecting the lead. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Where are uh, they in the league right now? I believe they are. This feels uh, to me a very winnable 19th. game, right? Yes. I believe they're again, this is uh they're all six pointers, I suppose, in a way. But uh they are especially six pointers uh when you're playing teams in the but I have the table and you're 24th and trying to claw your way out. They're 15th on 18 15th. points. 15th on 18 points. There you go. Still drag them back in. Obviously, the form has been uh, been pretty bad lately. Players of note. Uh, they've not scored a lot of goals, but Sam Bell, who plays uh, both as a forward and attacking midfielder, uh, has scored four goals in... 14 appearances. Uh, I really don't have a Naki Wells. Is there other uh, out and out striker? He has uh, two goals in, in nine appearances to a sub. I feel like he always scores against his Naki Wells. It does like that. Uh, their highest rated player is Kaine Smith, who is a uh, 
plays uh, all over their midfield and also can play uh, in their defense as well. Uh, other players, no, it's actually a fairly fairly veteran squad, you know, outside of uh, you already mentioned Sam Bell. There don't appear to be any Wednesday uh, Wednesday connections here. Uh, Pearson's left at least. Not after uh, uh, Pearson has left now. I guess I should actually check uh, if they've hired a new manager. Probably no, they haven't yet. No useful information. Uh, yeah. No new manager yet. So that, I mean, people, do you get a new manager bounce if you just by sacking a manager? Is I don't know. Only when uh, hire Curtis a new manager? Fleming is the uh, it's interim. Interim, yeah. Uh, he might know him best. He played for uh, Middlesbrough for uh, the better part of a decade. Uh, decade got capped for for Ireland a few times, and as he just bounced around uh, as an assistant for or first team coach for. Crystal Palace, Bolton, QPR, Middlesbrough. So, you know, I'd, uh, a man that knows the league, certainly, if nothing else. I, I don't know really what to uh, what to expect, in all honesty. Uh, again, like you would hope they could take some momentum from the Rotherham game and actually getting paid. <laughs> and... And, that was my biggest. Yeah. That was my biggest no, frustration. No. I wouldn't yeah. touch with that in the news thing, but like, I was so frustrated that we've just hired what I think is a very progressive uh, backroom staff and coach, mm-hmm. and then to, for that knobhead to put all this drama into the air and even almost threaten them that we weren't going to pay the new staff and the new managers was just. It just blows my mind. I was like, he's going to ruin it. He's going to ruin everything. See, that's what yeah. he ruins everything. He touches. He's got to pay like but, first. He's got to pay like first and last month rent. He just moved here. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, by the way, guys, uh, you know that job I offered you. Well, I can't yeah. afford to pay you for another few weeks. Is that yeah. right? It's, it's, it's awful. Uh, but yeah, so at least that's all solid. No impact on the playing stuff. And I hope mm. they just don't even read Jeffy Wednesday's website uh, every week. Otherwise, they'll be traumatized as we are. Um. But uh, yeah, I, I assume Danny Rolls got him kind of like heads down, focus, and and uh, playing with the tactics rather than reading all the. I mean, like a lot of the, I feel like a lot of the players there are probably used to this by now to an extent, right? As much as much as you can be. It can't be good for morale, can it? No, I mean, it can't. They, they, but like at a certain point, you just gotta again, like you said, you gotta put your head down and focus on the games. What it comes down to. Yeah, but it can't. I mean, it can't thing, be any. It can't be any worse than getting what three points from your first thirteen matches. So <laughs> that's when the world game paid as well. Much more than we're not getting. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we have any other business? Got meetups. We meeting up. I have to up. Yeah, we're going out. It's a nice eleven o'clock kickoff. We'll be at the football factory. Um, why is it eleven o'clock? Oh, because it's a uh, day before daylight that's- savings time. That's why I am. Yeah. yeah, we usually get a week or two extra. Yeah, it's only a week, uh, only one this year. But yeah, yeah. So we only get one extra week of a nice hour lay in while the uh, while mm-hmm. we put our own back this Sunday, right? So that is actually bad for me since the kid has a a ten forty five swim class. The eight a.m. games usually give me a little bit. I'll be up. I'll be up at seven. So right, it's fine. We have to listen to the last. Uh... Oh, sorry, it's eleven forty five swim class. I'm fine. I've had to listen to the last bit in the car. We are away, right, at Bristol? Yes, at Bristol, yes. Okay, cool. It doesn't. Yeah. It, that doesn't feel like one that's like a particularly... I know, it's Bristol City. Whatever, right? Drink up your cider. Drink up your <laughs> cider. 
Uh, come bad. to come to Legends Blood Factory. We'll be there. Yeah. Um, any other New Orleans? Uh, I'm will be New Orleans will be there too. Yeah, and New Orleans will be there. They seem, to to least stop, they, yeah, they seem to at least stop putting our games on Sky now. So, buy a t-shirt. Buy a t-shirt. We need some um, some ways to fund the podcast. We're running out of uh, money to fund the podcast and the servers. So, yeah, we're uh, we gonna start. Just uh, we need all uh, what a hundred thousand <laughs> of our listeners to chip yeah. in. If every listener <laughs> gave us a hundred pounds, we'd be able to fund this podcast <laughs> for another hundred years. <laughs> to be uh, fair, if every game that the game was like 50 pence, it might be all right. It's been episode 231. The Owls America has to check out Wednesday Penny with an American accent. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. You know the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. I told you you can Venmo us 100 bucks. And find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers my fellow Wednesday at Forever the Makers podcast is on. The usual podcast places. Just search for the Owls Americast. You can listen or subscribe right there. Wherever you do choose to listen to us, we ask that you rate and review the shows. On more Wednesday, it's find our ramblings. Patty is on Twitter at New York Owls. Patty, uh, if you're getting there for 11 a.m., uh, do you do lunch instead of breakfast at the football factory? What do you get for lunch? A couple weeks ago, Jeff, I did both lunch, breakfast, and dinner. Mm. <laughs> it was a long day. <laughs> Uh, this time around, I'll probably do a a brunch. A brunch, yeah. yes, that's what New Yorkers like to do. Yeah, as we do. Mike is on Twitter at Cascadia Owls. Mike, what can you tell me about the Ransom Distillery, which makes this lovely sweet? Brunch? Um, it is about fifty miles south of here. It uh, we were debating instead of a winery or a distillery. Uh, they said it was in Port. It says on the bottle it's in Portland. Is Portland? Yeah, not, oh, really? No, it says. No, the it actual says, the actual stuff. No, not Maybe they have town. like a distro or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, know. yeah. Everything. Yeah, the distribution's probably here. Yeah. Um, no, beautiful part of the country down there, uh, about fifty miles south of here near uh, McMinnville. I forget which town there, and maybe Sheraton. But um, yeah, it's beautiful down there. So yeah, make a trip. It does say uh, handcrafted, award-winning American-made spirits. So I assume it is, in fact, a uh, a distillery. It says right here, distillery. Our story. Meet our distiller. So they, they have a distiller. Yeah, vermouth is made in a distillery. Good to know. Yeah. I mean, it's aromatized wine. So, yeah. But they do make uh, bourbon, gin, grappa, uh, rye whiskey, a few different versions of whiskey. They have an old Tom gin as well. Uh, they have a, a trip. whiskey. Yeah. Looks like they have uh, interesting stuff here. But their vermouth is uh, is quite good. I've had an American vermouth before. But, Speaking uh, of field trips... Sign up to our newsletter. We're going to have an announcement on OA Away 2024 very soon. And now that we've won a match, we can we can hype the meetup again. Yeah, and we've paid our taxes. <laughs> we paid our taxes. We've got us visas. Hmm. We can go and do yeah. OA Away. Um, pay the, both the the provincial and the VAT out there yeah. in Nova Scotia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the government has allowed us to continue in business. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, sign up on alzamericas.com to our mailing list if you are interested in joining the massive national meetup next year. It'll be around April time. We will announce the date and the location to our mailing list first. No um, clues. No clues. I, if anyone guesses it, it's not part of the Owls Americas group or our WhatsApp group. You get a free flight <laughs> from, from me. No one's going to guess where we're doing the the uh, Owls Americas group. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Mastro, and assuming we don't run out of money, we'll see you back here.
next week. <laughs> <laughs>